one and all to Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Got a really good one for you today. Got some uh, some more post uh, official signing day analysis for you. Uh, the Tigers had good week. Uh, picked up another transfer. Uh, basketball had a good week, and oh my goodness, baseball is about to begin. Uh, we got all that to get into. Uh, plus, who knows what else? Who knows whatever else might pop up? Uh, but before we do, just want to check in with the co-host per usual. See how you guys are doing. So, uh, Tommy, Daniel, how goes it? Good to be here with you again, Scott. Another another week, more LSU news coming out. So, uh, you know, tr- transfer portal action. Big, always hot. Always hot. Yeah, everything's everything's happening right now. So happy to be here and happy to be uh, on the podcast again with uh, our friend Stuart Hanna, uh, assistant coach at Rummel in uh, New Orleans. He coaches uh, defensive backs and this, and assists uh, the defensive coordinator on the defense side of the ball. So. Want to get in some, uh, get him in on some analysis of kind of LSU's recruiting class from like the high school coach perspective. Who he's seen, who he's excited about, who maybe maybe there's somebody on the in this class that he thinks uh, doesn't deserve to be here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, either way, I mean, I think it's going to be a good podcast. I'm excited to get into it. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, it's good to be here with y'all. Uh, I think this is probably the coldest podcast we've ever recorded. If some would say it's the coldest. Uh, hopefully our <laughs> takes will not be as freezing as it is outside. Uh, but glad to be here with y'all and glad to have Stuart back on the pod. Yeah, amen yeah, to that. I uh, hope you guys, yeah, I hope everything's, you know, I, I know the uh, the Cajun Navy can't save you. Hopefully it's not, you know, buried in snow out there because I don't know, Cajuns don't really have, I don't have many snow tires do that well you know my mom was so in monroe like where me and dana were from where stewart's from uh they've got like two or three inches of snow and my mom said that the uh the weather channel came down to like survey the snow and they asked uh the mayor of west monroe they were like so uh where are the where are the the snow plows like are you gonna clear how are you gonna clear off the roads and she was like we don't have snowplows. <laughs> what do you want us to do? We're not gonna like. We can't do that. It's just gonna. It's just gonna have to melt. Mm-hmm. So well, we got this one Boudreaux. He got a plow on his uh on his F one fifty. He's you know he's on on uh, I forty right now. That's about it. That's all they got. Yeah, they're not pre- prepared for it. Remember back we had this that whole snowmageddon thing in Atlanta. They just the city was not prepared. I think they had six six like salt trucks for a city of like four million. But yeah. You know, just it's just not our bag baby but anyway uh let's let's get let's bring it back to uh to talking tigs and stuff like that so glad to have uh Stuart back so i i just wanted to get uh, i don't know i guess overall man um you know your take on just the class in louisiana in general but also uh but also LSU's hall because it, it seems like they're you know they've done a pretty good job so far uh, with you know trying to put up some sort of proverbial fence you know around Louisiana, I know there's some you know you're not going to get all of them, but I mean LSU is at least not. It doesn't seem like they're uh, you know letting the all the good ones get away maybe as much as they used to. Right. Uh, <clears throat> I know we talked the last time, um, not necessarily for this class, but you know we'd kind of alluded to the fact that the state of Louisiana doesn't do a great job of you know keeping those offensive linemen. I know we picked up was it two. Yeah, in the state, I know we got the in kid the from, uh, yeah, which is big. The kid from Monroe, the, the Campbell kid. So that's good to see. And then obviously, it's loaded with skilled guys. It looks like the receiving class is going to be ridiculous again. So that's exciting. 
Mm-hmm. Let's just hope we can put a use to him. Yeah, you know, we have we've got all these talented receivers, but last year really seemed like you know Butte was the only one who got a chance to shine. So I'm hoping to see more of of all of them. I'm hoping to see more of these this incoming freshman class along with some of those great freshmen we had last year, like uh, your own Rumble product, Koi Moore. Yeah, definitely uh, excited for Coy. Um, he got a lot of playing time, especially at the end of the year. I can tell you he is an extremely hard worker, and it's going to be hard to keep that man off the field. Um, I, I don't know that many people are going to outwork that kid. How did uh, how did things shake out for Rummel as far as the signing day? So, I think, you know, we talked previous to the podcast. Um, I think we had about five or six kids that had signed. You know, the two most notable ones, obviously, uh, Kobe Fields ended up at South Carolina, which is awesome for him. Uh, it's kind of a late offer, but that's really exciting, an SEC offer. And then Logan Biggs decided to <clears throat> go to Notre Dame, which is good. I think he's the first kid at Rumble that will take his talents to, to South Bend. So, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing his progression. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame is, is – uh you know, they're always a, a perennial program, sometimes maybe a little bit overrated, but they're always in the national conversation. So I'm excited to see, I, I watching him play against uh Catholic was, was awesome. Like he really kind of carried the team, especially on the offensive side of the ball and, uh, and kept y'all in, in it, which in the game, um, which I, you know, I'm, I'm super excited to see him in the next level. Yeah, definitely excited to watch him play at the next level. Um, you know, I talked the last time, I think that his, his football IQ is probably unparalleled to most high school kids. And that's kind of a, a testament to what the coaches have done with him. I mean, you know, I said last time his ability to pick up and pass pro is, is pretty special. And I think that's some things that people may lose sight of. Um, and I think that'll get him on the field almost immediately. He's a physical kid. He's very unselfish. He'll block. You know, he's good, you know, out in the pass game as well. And then obviously if he gets into space, he's going to make things happen. So I think he's got a pretty good shot to be a very good player for them for the next couple of years. Uh, well, something else that I've, I've been, I wanted to ask you on the podcast is, you know, you have, you coach uh, against teams across the state. I know um, y'all went deep in the playoffs and won state championship two years ago, went deep in the playoffs this year. And then I, I know just for, you know, for fun, like you went and watched a lot of the state games. So are there any players that you've seen watching film or, or um, just watching games casually that really jump out in this class that LSU signed or, or, you know, other names that maybe didn't sign with LSU, but signed uh, with other schools across the country Um that, you know, we're going to be hearing their names on Saturdays a lot. They'll be in conversations as, you know, some of the top players. So I think the first one that jumps off the board is definitely the best kid from STM. His physical abilities are ridiculous. I mean, he's, he's well, I think he's about 6'1". I don't know that he's 6'2". He's about 210 pounds, 215 pounds, something like that. I mean, he's just look like a man child. He runs well. He's got strong hands. Uh, people have a hard time tackling him in space, and he will bully you. Um, when he blocks, I mean, he is a physical specimen. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that kid has a really good opportunity to make a difference at LSU as well. Yeah. You know, like there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of talk about him. Um, I feel like he doesn't get as much play in the, you know, on some of the recruiting boards or on some, in some of like the, the talk shows as much as maybe some of the, the more higher profile uh, recruits did, you know, like I feel like Hilton, um, 
or uh like brian thomas brian thomas that yeah like but, yeah i was saying but besh's stats like especially in the playoffs he was putting up like 200 yards and three touchdowns like every single game pretty consistently and you watch the film and like walker howard just throws it to him and he makes the play happen every time he just outclasses people he looks you know like the way that the way that he would uh because i feel like and of course you'll you'll know because jamar chase another uh rummel product last year with with burrow and and chase it uh feels like burrow would he would throw it up and say hey go get it and jamar chase would would always be able to come you know go elevate over uh, a defender and then come down with it and i saw when i was watching some jack bash highlights he did the same thing he could go up and over somebody and come down with the ball like you said he's got strong hands um i'm excited to see him i know that uh on the day that eric gilbert uh left lsu officially announced he was going to florida besh put up a uh a thing on on instagram saying it's something like i'm ready or you know don't like we're or i think he said like we're all good here so he's looking to take that spot do you see do you think you could see him as a i feel like i i feel like he could maybe fit in in that kind of hybrid tight end role what do you think i, I don't know <clears throat> i don't know what they necessarily have planned for him um we have we had a lot of film on because we were supposed to play him was that week three, but the hurricane ended up, uh, we ended up losing that game because of that. So we, you know, we had a lot of film on him and, you know, I do a, a lot of film study and I can tell you, I don't know that I ever saw him drop a single pass. And then anytime you can whip a ball out and he runs a five yard route and he turns it into 60 or 70 or even 15. I mean, that's almost impossible to defend. He was, you know, arguably in my opinion, one of the best players in the entire state of Louisiana outside of maybe our guy, Logan Diggs. Mm-hmm. So I would be curious to see what they do with the, with him. Yeah, that'll be exciting to watch. Hopefully, we'll get to see, um, you know, kind of what what everybody what they have planned for everybody in the spring, assuming they have a spring. Um, but uh, overall, you know, what is there anything else that kind of jumps to jumps to your mind um, thinking about the recruiting, the the signing day, and and you know anybody else? I know you, you talked about. Uh, Colby, who's signing with South Carolina, you were really excited about him. He's the he's your safety, right? Well, that's the kid I was telling you about. It was kind of the hybrid guy. He played linebacker. He was in the box force virtually every single snap last year. And we made the decision to kind of move him out and play a, a down safety with, uh, for us. And then, you know, our defensive coordinator, head coach, Nick Monica, is, to me, the best high school football coach in the state of Louisiana. And he is very unique in some of the sets and uh, schemes and presentations we give people. We moved him all around. You know, I told you about that three high safety kind of look and we did all kinds of things that gave people fits, you know, the last five, six games of the, of the season, he was just, he was impossible to deal with. I mean, you, you didn't know if he was blitzing, you know, if he was in coverage, you didn't know if he's going to be in the box. And um, yeah, I, he gave offensive coordinators in the Catholic league, all kinds of fits. So I, I always kind of thought he was a little bit slept on, for whatever reason, I think South Carolina is going to get them a fabulous uh, uh, recruit. To be honest with you, that's awesome. And they've and they've kind of needed uh, real dynamic, uh, you know, defensive playmakers. Obviously, they well, got Jordan Birch last year, but we didn't see much from him this year. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe he can uh, really fill a void there, especially with them building a new program. Yeah, I'm not. I don't even know what they they plan to do with him. Whether they're going to play him as a DB or a linebacker, but to me, he's kind of in between positions to where if he puts on a handful of pounds, he could play in the box. If you, you know, if you want to keep him out in space, 
he could play as a DD or a safety or something like that. So I think, you know, it, it's almost limitless what you can probably do with him. He runs well. How big uh, is he? He can be ex- – he's 6'2", maybe. I think right now he's maybe 210, 215. I mean, he looks thin. Mm-hmm. But if you put a couple of pounds on him, I don't even know that you would you would notice. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, he may not look fast, but he runs very well. And he tackles well in space because of his length. I mean, he's got, you know, long arms and whatnot. Does not miss a lot of tackles. And when we asked him, you know, being coverage, he was very good in coverage. He created a lot of turnovers. I don't think he had an interception uh, this year that I remember, um, but he created a lot of interceptions with his length and whatnot. And I know he had a couple of interceptions last year. In fact, he had one for a touchdown. So I think he's a special player. That's awesome. Um. What you got? Anything, anything, Daniel? Uh, no, I didn't really have too much uh, else. I mean, we talked about some other stuff the signing day last week. The only other kind of real news was uh, Mike Jones, oh, yeah. a linebacker from Clemson transferring to LSU. So I guess that's two years in a row when a fairly decent name came in and linebacker. So yeah, had a pick against Ohio State in the playoff semifinal. So yeah. hopefully he's a, a plug and play guy to fill in for Jabril Cox. Um, but as I think I guess our last player for this year's class. Do we, I thought no, we had one more spot. We have one more spot. Oh yeah, you, you're right. You're right. But he was one of those guys that Coach O kept, you know, kind of alluding to. Oh yeah, we got some guys looking in to transfer. And you mentioned linebacker specifically. Uh, you know, I thought it might have been three, but you know, one one is fine too. But yeah, that leaves us with uh, just one spot. And I don't know, Coach O said what. What do you say, Tommy? Uh, oh, he he may get a chance. He's to, got a chance to start for us. Yeah, <laughs> right. The guy that started, you know, started in a playoff semifinal. He he may start at LSU. Uh, we'll see, I guess. Um, but it's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, if there is a, a spring game or you know conditioning and all that. So I I was just curious, Stuart, because Coach O said something this week about he he thought that now that the I don't know. I guess the, the, the initial rush of COVID and all that's passed. He, he kind of felt like the players were kind of back on track as they might've been beforehand um, as far as conditioning and uh, gearing up for, you know, the next season. But I, you know, I just didn't know how, how, how Louisiana high school, you know, fared, fared in that same regard. So like, are you, are you guys like still feeling the effects or are you, are you, would you say you're kind of getting a, back to a sense of normalcy uh, you know plus you know some of the guys like that you uh that you just graduated you know it's like i imagine their conditioning for college might have been affected in all this too so i just just wanted to hear your thoughts on that uh, so i wouldn't say that it's normal yet and you're still taking precautions but for the most part you know our, our strength and conditioning um, we started back up in january and we have not really had any hiccups you know you're still taking some of the precautions with the amount of kids you have in the weight room and, you know, wiping down this and wiping down that it's not nearly as extravagant as it was in the summer. The summer was a tremendous challenge. And for any of the high school coaches in the state that, you know, I would imagine they went through a very similar things that we did. I mean, I commend them on the effort because it just put more on us and it put more on the kids and for, you know, them to, I guess, approach that challenge and then, you know, be successful with what they were able to do. It says a lot about, you know, where high school football has gone Mm-hmm. Now, as far as some of the kids that are going to graduate, they have trainers that are outside the school that they're getting to work with um, at their little facilities. So I would imagine they're probably taking a lot of the exact same precautions. But I don't think for the most part they've missed much of a beat. So it does it does seem to be looking up. 
and and y'all are pretty much preparing for a for a uh, as normal as it can be spring like it's you know you're you're going through workouts do you have like a schedule for we start spring practice this day we're going to be doing this and this and this yeah the you know like i said our head coach is like i said he's probably the best in the state of louisiana if he's not the best he's he's very organized and we already have our schedule he said it probably back in december we have our schedule from january all the way up till um, basically the start of fall camp you know he gives the parents an idea of the dates and when they can take (laughs) off and take their vacation so as long as there's you know, there's no issues from COVID. I mean, we're not going to miss any days unless they, you know, force us to go back home. So it, it would almost be the exact same as it would, I would say, two years ago, moving into the spring. You know, we're going to have spring and we have a scrimmage. I believe it's with Desrahan, uh mid-May or something like that. So as long as COVID doesn't hamper us, uh, it does seem to, you know, look like everything should be relatively normal. It's good to hear. No, that's really good to hear because, you know, I, I was watching a, a show about college football yesterday where, uh, you know, the guy was talking about how each program is different. There are a lot of programs moving on. I, I assume LSU is probably this way. They're moving on with the spring saying basically like, yeah, it's, it's spring. We're going to have spring football. We're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing that. And then there's, there's some, some schools, uh, you know, probably more up North or, you know, in other divisions, maybe like the PAC 12 where they were really late to playing in general who, you know, some of these, some of these people inside the program don't know if they're even, you know, it's like, I don't know, I guess we'll have it. I hope we have it, but I don't know if we're going to. So I'm glad that at the high school level, you know, it seems like y'all are moving on and move and trying to get back to business as usual. And same thing with LSU. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it, it, on paper right now, it, it looks like we will move forward and have your traditional spring. You know, he's already got practices scheduled. And like I said, we already have a scrimmage scheduled. So I guess as long as um, they don't force us, I guess, to another lockdown or some of these other protocols we had in the fall, it doesn't seem like much is going to change. So that's definitely good. I think it gives the kids, you know, it gives the kids an opportunity to, you know, maybe relax and not have to worry about, you know, are we going to practice? Are we going to do this? If we have to go home, are the kids going to lift and run and whatnot? So it it, it definitely alleviates some of that stress. It gives, I feel like it also, you know, like this, the time right now it, for, I would imagine for a lot of these kids, this is the, this is not the, the fun part of training for a football season, the, the lifting, the running, the conditioning with no actual, you can't actually, you're not actually playing. So if, if there were, if you were kind of in limbo and you're going through these workouts, but you don't even know if there's going to be a, a spring or going to be a season or whatever, you know, if that, that, if you don't have that schedule, I feel like there's less to uh, get excited about. Well, you know, getting knocked off in the quarterfinals by Catholic, who eventually won the state championship, gives this upcoming senior class a lot of motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we started, like I said, probably the second week in January, we got back from school, and our kids have really been busting their rear ends. I mean, they're getting after it. And to me, January to July is probably more important than the fall season. I mean, most of your your development, a lot of your coaching, a lot of your install is going to happen between now and July. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you kind of reinstall when you, you have fall camp, but you know, if you have a kid that comes to you during fall camp and he's not in shape or he hasn't gained any strength or speed, I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to, to use that kid in your scheme. So I think January to July is the most important part of the year for most high school football programs. And our kids have definitely welcomed it. They are working their rear ends off right now. Wow. Well, that's, that's great. You, so yeah. do you find, do you find that that's, um, I, I know you said like, especially this year, the motivation's good, but do you find that 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 getting kids motivated in, we'll just say, in February, 
is more difficult than getting him motivated in July when you've got a season, you know, coming when you can see the season basically. Right. I think a lot of that falls on us as coaches, um, the accountability of coaches to show up and motivate kids at 6 a.m. when you're lifting. I mean, let's be honest, not a lot of people want to get up at 5 o'clock, 5.30, you know, drive however far they got to get to get on campus and get an hour, an hour and a half lifting at 6 a.m. And, you know, it's it's up to us as coaches to, to motivate these young men, you know, being there and be enthusiastic because they're going to feed off of that energy. If you're dragging your rear end as a coach, why would the kid, at, you know, said squat station, why is he going to try to bust his butt on the 10 reps? You know, yeah. coaches, coaches being a little bit lackluster, you know, so to me, if it falls on us as coaches, you know, you, you have to, you have to go in there with the mindset that, you know, we want to be successful in the fall. And in order for us to be successful, we have to get bigger, stronger and faster. It starts at the top and you start that standard of performance and start, you know, if the coaches aren't living it out, then why the player's going to want to live it out. Exactly. And we have a really good staff. So that's, that's fortunate. Yeah. And it, okay. it starts at the top. Our head coach is the hardest worker probably on staff. So when you see your boss working as hard as he does, it motivates you as a coach to want to motivate the kids, you know? So, yeah, that, that kind of reminded me of this year of LSU, like people saying Bo Pelini, like didn't want to be there. He was like the last person in and the first, first one, one out, yeah. first one to leave every day. And then you could kind of see that reflected in the, the defensive players effort on the field a little bit. Uh, just not everything's there. So perfect example, really. Well, it's funny because <laughs> I was talking to, to, uh, to somebody who's pretty close to the program. And I said, I asked him, I said, did you hear whether, you know, I heard Bo Pelini was first, first one out, last one in, never really showed up. And he said, he was like, you know, I don't really know if, if he was in or he was out. I don't know what, what his real schedule was or his timeline, but I'll tell you, I hope he was, I hope he was the last one in first one out. Cause we don't, if he'd stayed any longer, <laughs> we'd be in more trouble than we are now. So, um, you know, I, I, a lot, I, it, it doesn't need repeating that, uh, a lot of the LSU people within, without fans, coaches, at least the general consensus seemed to be that they're glad Polini's gone. So um, maybe <laughs> with the, uh, with this new addition of, uh, of the, all the new coaching staff additions, you know, we'll get, uh, get back to what they call the LSU standard performance. And it was such a shame because the guy had, you know, he already proven himself here before he went on to, you know, coach a big 12 school. And, uh, you know, he, he was here when they won one of those titles. He had coached a lot of good players, you know. Um, I don't know. I, you could say he just fell back on his laurels, just a different time. Because, you know, he was when, you know, they were still trying to coach against just eye formation or something, you know. He just, I think maybe his, uh, you know, maybe some of his, his game planning was, uh, was, was still back in 2007. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, um, was that... Was that all the uh, the football stuff that we had? Well, I was going to ask Stuart. You, you mentioned uh, you're talking when you were talking about Colby. Uh, you said that uh, y'all y'all ran like a, a like a three high safety look with him, and that was like a big deal for y'all. Is that right? Um, yeah, I guess you could say that. It wasn't necessarily structured that way. Um, it was kind of a deviation of our three, four, and we just kind of moved them around um, and just gave, kind of gave different presentations. In fact, if you go back and watch the LSU-Auburn game, it would probably look a lot similar um, with the way that they had kind of played their front 
you know, the three down lineman with the four eyes, the one linebacker in the box. And then, you know, we would take Colby and kind of stack him behind our, our Mike backer and then play different coverages and different, you know, uh, stunts off of it, if you will. So I would imagine it'd be kind of difficult to prepare for us because we gave you all different types of looks. So, you Is know, having a kid like, go ahead. Oh, go for well, I, I was saying, I, I'd actually, I'd, I feel like maybe, maybe me and you had talked about it you know, at a different time, but I was actually recently watching like a video about like the, the three high safety look and how that's like a, a kind of a newer thing being brought in to the college game. Um, yeah, it, it was, yeah, Iowa state, I think is, yeah. I don't know that they're necessarily the predecessor, but they're the ones that everybody's kind of mentioned as far as, uh, I guess, introducing this to college football. And we're not really structured the same way. Okay. I think that they play that three high safety look is uh, kind of their base defense. What we would really do is we would just kind of move them around to different spots and it would almost look like a three high safety look. Um, and then, you know, play a lot of our same coverages off of it. Like I said, with a little bit of different deviations and then pressures and blitzes and whatnot. So, so you're just, was, you're, you're was, just lining them up at a, at a, at a certain place just to make it look different. Yeah. Okay. And, and to be honest with you, you know, it takes a lot for that kid to be able to, uh, you know, adjust to what we're asking him to do. He's a very smart kid. He understood the defense well. So, I mean, you can't just take all some old regular Joe that's not capable of understanding what you're asking of him. I mean, he, we put a lot on that kid and he was very successful. So, you know, uh, him and Coach Monica worked extremely well together. And, you know, I, th I thought Colby did some really good stuff. Very good. And, yeah, I think, in fact, um, one of the coaches in the league <laughs> had told either Colby or, or Nick that um, they were like, dude, we really didn't even know what y'all are doing. It's like, y'all just let him do whatever he wants. Just let him line up wherever you want. And I don't think he meant it as an insult because, I mean, if you look at it at face value, that sounds insulting. Like, hey, Kobe, just kind of do what you, what you want. That was not the case. You know, we had a plan in place and, you know, we had different different calls and whatnot with him and he was able to execute it. But that's kind of how it looked from a lot of people's perspective. And he, he gave people all kinds of fits. And when you can't, yeah, if, you, if, if, the other, if the other team can't figure out, okay, what are they even doing with him? That, that you can't prepare for that. Like if it, no. if it looks like he's just running or he's just moving around, going wherever he wants, there's no way to prepare for that. Yeah. They, they really had no idea to, what to do with them. And we practiced it all year. Um, we didn't use it a ton early in the year. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we kind of used it when we needed it, you know, like getting to the meat and potatoes of our, our Catholic league schedule. You know, we had that early loss to brother Martin, which kind of set us back. So every game after that to us was kind of a playoff game. I mean, you're playing for seeding. You know, unfortunately, uh, I think us and Catholic were probably the two best teams and maybe outside of an injury, our um, end result may have been different. You know, we may have been hosting yeah. a trophy again this year. So, you know, um, again, a lot of it falls back on the kids for accepting coaches' challenge as far as like, hey, um, it's time to grow up and it's time to, you know, make a difference. So. Awesome. Well, um, we want to jump into a little bit of other LSU stuff before we close out. Yeah, I guess so. We don't have to dwell too long on it because I know it's not really uh, Stewart's specialty, but I guess we can mention the basketball. They had a, they had a big win against number 18-ranked Tennessee, uh, easily their biggest win of the season. Um, <laughs> Probably the most quality win I've ever – I've seen them play all year. <laughs> yeah, Wade was like, thank goodness my seat got a little bit cooler. Yeah, his, his seat his, – maybe, you know, in time for the, for the cold weather, his seat got a little cooler. Yeah, but that moved the Tigers to 13-6, and six, and they're somehow actually still tied for um, – second place in the sec uh and they're they're looking good for the rest of the the tournament they only got 
one ranks game left against Arkansas February 27th. They actually, they rescheduled a game against Ole Miss for this Thursday, the 18th, and they play. And that uh, was an added game, right? Yeah. Like they just pulled this game out of, and they just put it in the schedule. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes up for the game against Florida, which seems like we've lost. I don't know when they would fit that in. Didn't uh, they move a game to Wednesday? Yeah, they, they put the old Miss game Wednesday, and then they moved it back to Thursday because of all the weather situation. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so we're playing at Ole Miss uh, Thursday and then home Auburn uh, on Saturday. So that's the lineup for this week. But, yeah, we got five games left, so we're guaranteed a winning season, which is nice. That's cool. Uh, yeah. But I, not to kind of ramble, but I was, I'd was i seen the bracketology stuff, and we're projected as an eight seed right now. Uh, which is good. It's an upgrade from last week when we were a 10 seed. Yeah, but if we win that game, we're matched up against number one overall seed Gonzaga in the second round. Well, uh, so you don't want to, <laughs> it was uh, nice while it lasted. <laughs> Gonzaga who's 20 and over, but uh, wait, okay. who would be? Wait, why, why would we be if we second were round? Hmm? Second round. Yeah, oh, it was the second. Oh, it's it's, second round because it's eight and nine. So oh, whoever wins eight and nine is in all likelihood playing the number one I see, I see. or a one seed. Right. I was, I was going to ask you guys where you thought we might be. Uh, and then I, I was thinking probably like a eight or nine, but then I, I, I guess I saw the same thing you did where they, you know, they had us projected as like an eight seed. Uh, I still think it'll be an eight or nine because, you know, it's, they have all these games, which look like they could probably win, but you know, you just, you never know. Um, but I was going to ask if you guys saw this thing that the, uh, the NCAA, handed down to all the different conferences they said they were going to let them choose on whether or not the conferences wanted to like to send the regular season winner or the conference tournament winner as like the automatic bid into the field of 64 or 68 or whatever do you guys see that no, I hadn't heard that. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I hadn't heard that either. For LSU, yeah. for, for I, SEC, I guess it means Alabama would get it pretty much locked up if it's uh, regular, regular season. Well, I mean, but I think you'd have to decide before the end of the season, right? Like you can't wait till <laughs> they win it and then do it. Just, but, wait, uh, just I, wait for Greg Sankey to do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, I just thought that was interesting. I don't. I guess, you know, if, if, if one team wins them both, it doesn't really matter. Or if it's close enough, it doesn't really matter. But uh, I just remember a few years ago where LSU was not the regular season winner, but they went on a tear in the tournament and won it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's the only way I see how it would you know, be an issue. But didn't we also wait? I'm trying to think because I get I get it's weird to me that there is a that there's a regular season winner and then an SEC tournament winner. That kind of weird to me. But like, what did we we won with? uh Tr- uh, Tremont Waters and Skyler Mays and all that that really good year we won the SEC right yeah we were regular season champions because we were tied with Tennessee for record but we had the head-to-head over them during the season so we were like the regular season champions. yes we won that okay yeah um it's kind of crazy we're coming up on one year like when they canceled the SEC tournament like because of corona well no, that's the weird thing is like I keep thinking I'm like okay well wait what did we do last year I'm like oh wait we didn't have a last year <laughs> Did a lot of podcasts and so we did a lot of podcasts. Yeah, that, that's what we did. I think I think we won the podcasting SEC championship. Yeah, <laughs> regular season. Regular? We, no, we were regular season winners. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's about all we had this week on the the hoops. Well, I, I will say that it, I I don't know if you watched Scott and I said this to Daniel. Darius Days is the is the key to LSU's success. That's the only way we're going to be. If he he has to, if he plays good, the whole team plays good. And, if, and when he was out, like that absence 
that was when our team basically collapsed and he had a great game against uh against Tennessee on Saturday and I think he was the key to winning so if we're going to have any success in the next cut in the next you know three weeks and then the, the both tournaments it's it's all on him yeah I agree he had 14 points I actually saw a stat before that game the LSU was like 14 and one or 13 and one when he had at least 10 points and then we were like one and five like otherwise so it's crazy to me because you know all the hype goes to Javante Smart and Cam Thomas and obviously they're the best you know the best scorers and all that and they're the flashy players but yeah like it it really when you and especially like that stat you just said Daniel like when he plays good LSU wins when he doesn't we lose so anybody can get we can get we need to get to Darius get to Darius days and tell him you know play good man <laughs> yeah and stay healthy it's a good right take. yeah that, that is a good take <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um well I mean there was one last uh, well there was some I don't know I, I don't think we we failed to mention this but um uh coach o had said something about uh Miles Brennan right or this because remember he ended it's like he, I don't know, he had some weird injuries. It, I don't even still don't know if they ever completely. Didn't they just call it like a lower body injury? Lower body, hip injury, whatever. But uh, Coach Coach O said he looked like he was ready to go. Um, I mean, they're just doing walkthroughs and weight room stuff like we were talking about earlier. But, I mean, he's he's doing everything else that, you know, the other players are doing. Uh, you know, and he's, He hasn't he's entered the portal up. yet. Right. So Which I, that was a thing we were watching for. Say it again. Oh, I said he hasn't entered the, entered the portal yet. Oh, yeah. That was something we were watching for. You know, like, no, he, he I, seemed I, I, like to me, the 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 top candidate, if there was going to be an LSU guy, an LSU quarterback to enter the transfer portal, would be him. You think so? I, I would have put my money on Finley, I guess, for some reason. Really? Because where, where's Miles? I don't know. I mean, he's, 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 the, uh, he's been there the longest, and he still hasn't had, like, a full season there. I feel like it's his if he's healthy. I, I feel like I, I feel like he'd be almost comparable to like Felipe Franks. Not necessarily in this game, but the way that you know he he always had the talent. He always had he was always kind of hyped up like oh he's going to be great he's going to be great and then he has that injury like the year he was supposed to be great. Franks of course you know breaks his leg or whatever and mm. Miles has his lower body injury. <laughs> um, it, you know it, it it could I think that and I'm I guess I'm glad he hasn't left but it would make sense to me that he would say, okay, I need to get a fresh start. Like I need to go to a a new school. You know, let let me just, I've got so much, so much competition coming in behind me. I'm feeling that squeeze. Let me get to a place where, you know, I'm the the number one starter. Cause I mean, like, let's go, this is interesting. Like let's go around, especially with Stuart, with you on the podcast. Like who, who do we want right now? Is that just, is there a clear, like if you had to pick right now, is there a guy? I almost feel like it might be max for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would go Miles, Max, TJ, and mm-hmm. then uh, whatever after that. Nussmeier, after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't forget about him um, and Roland, right? Yeah, and he's he's yeah, twenty twenty one commit. I don't know. I think it's a unique situation. I think it'd be good and a bad thing. You know, Max had a lot of success towards the end of the year, and I think people are very high on him, so that should give him a lot of confidence. But then again, I don't want to say that you necessarily feel bad for Miles Brennan. He just seems like he's had a lot of a lot go wrong for him. And you feel like it is almost his job to still lose. You know, the injury is nothing, nothing that he did that kept him off the side sidelines. You know what I'm saying? It's not like yeah. he played poorly, played his way out of the position. So like deep down, 
a guy that's loyal to the program like that. Me personally, I hope he sticks around and I hope he wins the job. I hope he's the best guy for the job, you know, but I do think that Max Johnson had a lot of success. So competition brings success. So I hope they welcome that challenge. There's definitely going to be competition in that quarterback room. Um, I feel like, I don't know. It just, and maybe, maybe it's just like a, 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 like a, maybe I'm totally off on it, but I just had a feeling it was like, it would, it would make, make most sense for me for him to, to want to leave at this point but if he doesn't you know like yeah i kind of agree with you if he is the best guy and if he stays all the way through maybe you know it's not often that you can get like a like almost like a sixth year <laughs> he, he potentially could have like six years at lsu so or, or seven is that right no nah. i mean he he might as well be in law school yeah no <laughs> i know well he's got because you get you get the because he, he redshirted so you had the four years plus the redshirt year mm-hmm. plus the covid year doesn't count Plus another year, right? Yeah. So that's oh, seven yeah. years. Yeah. No, speaking of, uh, because of those things you just mentioned, uh, I think Mike Jones has three years of eligibility left, if he wants it, of course. You know, uh, I mean, three years after high school, they can do whatever they want, but I don't know, maybe he wants to get his, his doctorate like Miles. But <laughs> either way, uh, I, I still feel like if I'm Miles Brennan, you know, I saw some good things from both quarterbacks after I, you know, set out with an injury, but it wouldn't be enough to make me think I don't have a I chance. can't compete. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I still think if I was Miles Brennan, I think, you know, like, you know, like Stewart said, it's, I think it's mine to lose. Yeah. That's how I would look at it. Yeah. Well, well, time will tell. Daniel, do you have any Definitely. thoughts? Uh, no, I, I was just mostly agreeing with Scott that I think that Miles probably has like the highest ceiling uh, and is the best opportunity for LSU like to win now. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's also kind of depends on the priorities of the program. If you want to win now, or if you want to have like the best chance for a championship within the next like say three years, then maybe you go with the younger guy. You know, yeah. you always pull for the program, guys. Uh, I think I sent Tommy a picture after the last time I met on the podcast. I uh, remember the picture. It was a picture of Tua, Jalen Hurts, and the oh, yeah. Giants. And I mean, look at what he was able to accomplish this year in kind of a similar situation. Um, I guess it's a little bit different than Miles um, in the sense that he was thrust into the role because of Tua's injury. And, you know, it, I mean, he was unbelievable this year, you know. So, program guys, I always, always pull for those guys. It seems like a very unselfish, um, you know, move for that kid. So, I mean, I'm pulling for him personally just because he has stuck around this long. I'm not saying that LSU necessarily owes him the spot, but, you know, I, I think that he's probably willing to do what he's got to do to, to keep his job. Yeah. Are you, are you saying though, that also it's, it's maybe miles Brennan's year to uh, be a Heisman contender and then LSU just runs away with it. I think that would be awesome. I think everybody would hope that's the case, right? I mean, didn't people, People did try to compare him to Burrow, didn't they? Kind of entering this year. I mean, you're not going to get exactly the same type of uh, uh, production, but I mean, weren't there, you know, rumors, I guess, if you will, people trying to compare him to Burrow? Yeah, they were, but it was just silliness. It was, it was fresh in their minds. So they were thinking, who was the last best guy? Oh, Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah, I guess they're similar. Not at yeah. all. Not at yeah. All. We did, I mean, we did want to mention the LSU baseball. Since it does start open this weekend, I mean, uh, weekends at the box, that's that's a big thing in spring in Baton Rouge, you know, unless you're able to, like, look over the fence at football spring practice and just run drills and the, the old big cat drill that, that they used to do. Uh, I mean, all eyes are on uh, box, Alex Box Stadium. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a, 
slightly different. I mean, they're only going to be like what 25% capacity for games. Um, I think they've already moved games back this weekend. Um, but they did announce their number who's going to wear number eight for the Tigers, which is, you know, kind of like number 18 for the LSU uh, football Tigers. Uh, it's just a number that they give to the, you know, I guess the, I don't want to say just the best player, but the player with the, I don't know, leadership. Leader. Yeah. What, whatever, you know, all this all encompassing uh, player for the, uh, the good of the program and the sport. Uh, but that's going to go to Matthew Beck. Um, so congrats to him. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't know how it's going to look. I LSU's got a lot of upside, man, just with the the pitching and some of these young players they're coming in. Maybe you guys could speak to more on that, but I think for once LSU may have a good solid starting at least three, which is, you know, what they've needed, but uh, just with all the other guys coming in uh, the young bats, uh, I don't know. They, they, they could do something this year. Yeah, so they got the first three games starting off Friday, the 19th. They're playing all at home. They're hosting a little kind of round-robin type deal. They got Air Force on Friday and then Notre Dame at home on Saturday and then against Louisiana Tech on Sunday. So a little three-game three, three game stretch should be interesting. I think I don't think any of the games are going to be on TV except for maybe streaming. Mm. Uh, but so you can check in to see how baseball rips it off. But, yeah, they, you're talking about – like the pitching Jaden Hills, like preseason all American considered like potentially a top five pick uh, in the draft, even though he's only played like a few games in the past. So definitely exciting to watch. I think he tops like 98 on his fastball. I've heard he's been touching hundred on in, in like, you know, the closed or what simulated games or whatever they're doing, the scrimmages and all that. Um, and a lot of people say he's the best, he's the best pitcher in college baseball right now. So, uh Excited about that. Of course, the the freshman phenom, Dylan Cruz, I've already heard that he's just ripping shots, you know, going opposite field. He's hitting home runs. He's doing everything that, he, that you want, you know, a five-tool player to do. So it's exciting. It'll be exciting to see him. They say he's basically a grown man playing playing uh, college baseball. He could have been the, you know, a top signee in the in NBA, I mean, NBA, in the MLB draft. So hopefully, uh, you know, we can put together a, a good season. Of course, you know, it's kind of the same thing with basketball where it's like, well, you know, let's think about what happened last year. It's like, well, we didn't have a last year. So in some ways that's a good clean slate and, you know, anything can happen, but in other ways, it's like, I don't even know what to expect because so many of these players, you know, they're, they're still here or, you know, they stayed, but it's been over a year since they've actually played a real college baseball game. Yeah. What do y'all think about, uh, uh, Coach Maneri's new rule with the facial hair. I didn't realize that was a thing until this year. Yeah, me either. I never even really noticed. I guess I kind of just took it for no. granted. Um, but Absolutely. then, yeah, when they said that they can now have facial hair, I was like, huh, I guess that makes sense. But it's weird that he would change his ways after however many years now. <laughs> I, guess, I guess he maybe just wants to inspire his guys or, or something. But I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think the Yankees are the only other team that kind of does that. Yeah, the Yankees, the Yankees uh, do it. Um, I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't know that either. But I guess that's cool. I don't know. I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If I, this is total speculation. But I think Dylan Cruz has a has a beard or something. So if he's as good as they say, as as people say he is, maybe maybe he has something to do with it. Where it's like, all right, you know what? We got. If you're gonna play for us, you can do whatever you want. Um, but yeah, I, I also think that you know, Daniel, you said. I wonder why Maneri might 
you know, at this point changes ways. Well, he's been on the the slow simmering seat. I don't know if you call it a hot seat, but <laughs> he's been simmering for a few few years now. And a lot of people are, you know, displeased that LSU's got the it's like what Scott Woodward said when he took the job as the AD at LSU. He said, you know, this is the only place in America where college baseball is treated almost as as high as college football. And if if you're if you're at the the LSU of, or if you're at the, you know, whatever the, the top college football or college baseball program in the country, but you're kind of haven't had, I mean, when's the last time we really made a, made a push with, with Kramer Robertson that year? You know, 2017, when we lost in the world series final of Florida. Yeah. So like, you know, like when we're, it's been a while, it's been a while, I guess. I guess let's well, only be two, two seasons, I guess. Never mind. But <laughs> weren't they? I mean, they were pretty strong in 2018. I think they had a disappointing end. Didn't they get knocked out? Was it Super Regionals by Florida State? Florida State, it yeah. It, yeah. And they did they host that as well? So that would indicate yeah. they were probably they lost at home. Seed. That was like when we recorded yeah. our like very first podcast ever. Was yeah, it was right one of our first happened? podcasts. Was was wow. covering that game. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a disappointing end of the season. But kind of like you said, I mean, LSU fans and probably some of the administration are like fickle with baseball you're supposed to be successful. And if you have, I mean, subpar to them is losing in the super regionals when, you know, a plethora of schools can't even make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a good and a bad, bad position to be in. It just kind of sucks. Like you said, he's on the pseudo hot seat um, because I guess they're not in the, you know, the, 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 the in Omaha. championship game. Yeah. In Omaha, excuse me, you know, every single year. So high expectations, you know, that's a good thing. They had a really good recruiting class. Was it last year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I'm excited. It's good. To, it's good to have, have a uh, LSU baseball back. It's good to have basketball it's still continuing on, you know, it's uh, now. I, I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder uh, away from the podcast, but you know, I kind of want to give a shout out to maybe LSU softball as well. I know they went two and one, they struggled a little bit, a little bit against Duke, but they've been very, very good the last couple of years, you know, yeah, and they least, have been. Yeah, and, and they played last week. So it was kind of funny. I'm sitting at my computer looking for, I guess, like baseball highlights, not realizing that it had started. LSU softball pops up, and I watched all three of their games in the highlights. And I was like, hey, we, you know, we finally have something to look forward to. Um, not, you know, no offense to basketball, but I don't, you know, I don't really care that much about basketball. And, you know, I've always enjoyed watching softball. I think that the way the women play is – you know, a little bit different. It seems to not necessarily maybe mean more, but they, you can tell that there's a little bit more enthusiasm with softball. And then sometimes, you know, with, you know, just regular season games of baseball. So yeah. just kind of a shout out to LSU softball. They do have a really good program. They got really nice facilities too. Um, of course, Stuart, you know, the, you know, the guy, uh, gosh, I forget his name. He's the belt guy. He always has the championship belt at the LSU game. You ever see this guy? I've never noticed it. Well, he's like he's like a, a super fan or whatever. He and you see, like, I, if, I'll send you a picture after we're done of the guy. You'll recognize him. But he's like a massive LSU softball fan. Like he's at every base, every football game. But like he's, you know, that's like kind of like okay. There are a lot of people who are at every football game. He's at every softball game too. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. But yeah, I actually enjoy watching softball. I don't know if that's odd or not, but I really, I really love the way that uh, the women play the sport. I just think that, you know, it means a lot to them. Not that it doesn't to the baseball guys, but you can just tell like the enthusiasm, the way they pick each other up. It just, it's fun to watch for me, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you can watch those games and you could think that any game that you're watching is like, uh, 
you know, women's college world series, bottom of the seventh or whatever, you know, how many, I think that's what they play, right? Seven innings. Uh, yeah. Every, everything's on the line. It all matters. Uh, and it can change. But the, yeah, then I saw something, uh, I was looking at some LSU highlights and then like o- Oklahoma had like, what was it? 16 home runs or something like that. Runs. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just, it's just crazy. And yeah. not to mention, uh, I mean, I watched the highlights and they're playing in, it wasn't sub freezing temperatures yet, but I mean, they're all in long sleeves and, you know, when they're breathing, they're breathing and, you know, smoke out their mouths and whatnot. So, I mean, they're out there in the elements playing, you know, as if it's just like, it's a regular season game in May, like none of, none of the climate affected them whatsoever. They were just excited to be out there. So again, it was fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, with that, we pretty much touch on all the bases. I think so. Uh, I don't know. I guess uh, if anything, I'll just say, Stuart. I know you probably caught the Super Bowl. I actually only only caught the second half. I was driving back. My, um, you know, and visited some family. My uh, oh, okay. sister. So the bad sister had one of those. It was already up? it was already in the bag at that point. It was just, um, it was so I unusual. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, what was it like? Twenty. It was twenty-one to six at half or something. Right. It, yeah. it, it almost wasn't even competitive. Uh, you know, no, Tampa Bay's defense was was unbelievable. And then I think Tom Brady kind of put uh, that old adage to rest that, you know, he's a system guy and then Belichick's the only reason he was successful. Um, you know, they didn't make the playoffs this year. And this dude took a team that was like, what, seven and nine, didn't make the playoffs last year and they won the Super Bowl. I mean, you can say what you want about Tom Brady, whether you like him, you hate him, you, you, you have to respect what he was able to accomplish. You know, obviously he knocked off the Saints, which is upsetting, but. I mean, you got to commend the guy and what he's been able to do. He's 43 years old. I'm 34. He can barely even get out of bed. I don't even know how this guy's <laughs> maintaining the, the success at this level. I mean, there was a pass. I think it was to Gronk. He he rips it down the field. I'm like, this dude, this dude still got it. Like, the one in the corner of the end zone. Dude, and he yeah. ripped it like he was 25 years old. I was extremely impressed with his arm talent still, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he he got drunk at that parade like he was still twenty five years. <laughs> but uh, no, I totally hear what you're saying, and it's you know they were asking him about it. And it's like his his you know as he's gotten older and older, his off season routine has gotten less and less. And I guess that's the you know that's the key is you you just do less. They're asking uh, Morton Anderson about it, and he says, "I bet he doesn't even throw in the off season because Morton Anderson." Uh, he played, he think he played like what twenty five years in the NFL. He said he towards the end he didn't even kick in the off season. He would stretch and do a conditioning, but he just wouldn't even kick. Uh, I think that's the key to the longevity. So I could see, I could totally see Brady playing like another three years, just doing what he's doing. Right. He does not look like he's missed a step to be honest with you. No. I mean, I'm, it's really impressive to watch what he was able to accomplish this year. Now he was surrounded with some really good talent. He had some really good receivers that I don't think that they're as underrated as people thought, you know, I mean, Good one. I didn't know much about him going into the season. He was he was awesome. Mike Evans is awesome. And I tell you what, I think he probably does best is he makes people around him better. You oh, know, yeah. it didn't seem like there was a lot of selfishness. It was, I mean, it was a team game for them. And I don't think that says a lot for guys in the NFL who are looking out for just themselves. And he was able to accomplish that. I mean, Leonard Fournette, I mean, mm-hmm. how awesome was he in the playoffs? That's a completely Playoff different lady. guy that we haven't I don't feel like he's been that was as good as I've seen him play. I feel like, except for maybe one year in Jacksonville. And then when he was in college, I would, it was almost a different guy. I was, I was very impressed with Fournette as well. Yeah, no, I think, I think so too. And, and Fournette even said he gave Brady a lot of the credit for that. 
um, for helping him, you know, get him, get him into the right positions and giving him the, I guess kind of, it always felt like Leonard um, has always taken the, taken the mantle of being the entire offense, even when he didn't have to be. Yeah. Cause he, he played a good rookie year at Jacksonville, but their whole offense was just feed Leonard like 30 carries mm-hmm. a game. And that wore him down. He got injuries and then he just turned into like a grinder getting two yards a carry. And then the diverse offense in Tampa Bay really helped him shine. Oh yeah. So yeah. And it was amazing that uh, Tom Brady like went to Devin White so that they could get him there. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh yeah, I know. And Devin White, I mean, I've said it before on this podcast, and Stuart, I'm sure you'd agree. I think he's the best best linebacker in the league now. As the kids would say, no cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see there, no cap. Devin White, best no cap. In the league. Yeah. And uh, you think that's probably why a guy like Mike Jones, who's you know already well, you for all intents and purposes, you know, was going to start at Clemson. Uh, but then he wants to transfer and, you know, he could have gone anywhere, but he came to LSU. You think it's because all this recent linebacker success, like that's, um, plus they had probably had a spot for him too, but. I mean, well, it's probably, it's probably a little bit of both. The LSU's had a, had a, uh, a way of developing very high quality linebackers that play at the next, that are able to play at the next level and have a lot of success there, but also, to be honest, that's a hole that we have, and we didn't really fill it with, uh, in, in with with like freshmen this year. And there's a lot of there's a lot of names, you know, similar names you've been hearing for a couple of years now that haven't really panned out, or if they have panned out, they're not as highly touted as as you would have hoped. Um, so yeah, I can see where he says, you know, it's a it's a great program. He's going to be able to go to the NFL from it if he has if he you know continues to play play well and they develop great linebackers. So, you know, it all kind of falls together. And he's coming from a really good program. What's the oh, DC's yeah. name at Clemson? I, I, I hold him in high Venables. regards. Venables, yeah. I, 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 would, I would be willing to bet he's probably one of the best assistants in the nation. I mean, they've always been good on defense. I think he does a great job. So it's not like you're going to get a guy that's just raw and has no idea what he's doing. I would imagine this guy's going to come in and probably be able to fit pretty, pretty you know, quickly. Yeah, I know he might be able to teach us a few things. Yeah. Venables, yeah. The, he's he's the you know the class of the NCAA, of college football, I would say, as far as defensive coordinators go. Yeah, I just he's he's not going anywhere. I mean, you think though, like if he if he wanted to be a head coach, he probably could have been already. Oh no, he they, they they've been, people have been trying to pull him for years. He doesn't want to leave. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because you don't find that too often. But mm. I guess you know he's got he's got a kid, or maybe he's got two kids at Clemson right now. One of his kids plays linebacker for him. Oh. And both times that Skalski, their their like stud linebacker who who gets notorious targeting penalties, <laughs> every time that Skalski goes out, Venables has to come in and, and mop up for him. So that's, he's a, that's a lot of pressure on. for his son. That's <laughs> a lot of pressure for his kid. And I've seen him get up in his face. It's kind of funny. He looks like that type of. I mean, he looks like a prototypical DC. That he's just got that scowl on his face. Mm-hmm. He just kind of looks mean. He yeah. looks like a guy that you would want to play for. And it seems like his kids love him. I mean, you've never heard anything bad about this guy. Mm-hmm. And they have always been very aggressive defensively. You know, I know yeah. they kind of took it on the chin with Ohio State this year. But, I mean, I love watching them call defense. Yeah. Well, uh, that might just about do it for us, unless you guys had any uh, any final thoughts out there. I don't know, Stuart, do you have any, uh, any anything you wanted to toss out there that we didn't get to? I think you guys pretty much covered it. Um, not to say this is the boring part of the year, but uh, 
you know, my profession is, is a football coach and that's pretty much what I think about 24 seven, obviously enjoy the other sports, but I don't spend much time, you know, watching LSU basketball and really even LSU baseball. But, um, so yeah, I think that you guys pretty much covered most of it. Well, thanks again for coming on Stuart. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to have you guys. Thank is there anything you want to, any, anything you want to plug? Of course you got, you know, you're on Twitter and you kind of do a little bit of that. Is there any, uh, anything you want to plug on your end? No, I, I like to stay off of social media. I keep <laughs> social media, but I, I don't, I don't do a lot of tweets. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, we'll leave that to, to Daniel and our, uh, our social media department to do that tweeting uh, as soon as this episode is out, but that'll pretty much do it for us. This go around uh, tune in next week. We'll have some more basketball, baseball, maybe even some football news. Uh, we'll see what comes down the pipes, uh, but until then stay safe, stay tuned. And we'll talk to you next time on talking Tigs.